welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. Uh, you're joining us here on a Tuesday night in Galway. Pretty dismal day, uh, but it's just rugby to be talked about. So we're here. Uh, we're just we're just warriors going through it, aren't we, guys? We are. It's so oh, tough it's being us. Take taking one for the team, watching all this rugby now. Every I know. Weekend. Yeah, it's so, we don't even get to watch all of it. That's that's how bad we are. <laughs> uh, but I'm joined by Sam and Westy as always. Uh, thanks for joining me, lads. Uh, we've actually a lot to get through because we have two semi-finals, a preview of the final in the Pro 14, and just a fairly average game in the Southern Hemisphere at the weekend. The North versus South. Nothing really to talk about. Pretty dismal affair. I think the uh, I think the Northern Hemisphere rugby has been talked about enough, and we should just get right down to what was probably the best game of rugby that ever happened. Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. It has to be top three. I regret to inform you, Smurf, that um, I'm no longer be appearing on the podcast as oh. I've decided to give up watching rugby because it cannot possibly get any better yeah, than it, it did is. on Saturday morning. But Westy, there's something about a good box kick that just mm, oh, <laughs> oh, it's just oh, it gets me right right in the fields, you know. You you yeah. could have your you could have your seven try. Or sorry, ten try, seven changes in leader. Uh, you can have that. You know, give yeah. me a thirteen-three victory <laughs> oh, on a Wednesday after, in the Aviva. After, uh, after the North South the other day, the coach came in and went, "Great game of rugby, lads. Great game of rugby. One thing, <laughs> not enough box kicks. Yeah, not enough. You watch Conor Murray now next week. Yeah, Aaron Smith and TJ Paranara are watching Conor Murray <laughs> vids this week, being like, "We just got to get better. We just got to get better." But, Good contestable. Give me that fourteen percent return. <laughs> <laughs> That's on like you know the big whiteboard for the game. Fourteen percent. That's what we're going for. But we'll start with that game because uh, we I think we're we're all very eager to talk about it. just like ridiculous two amazing teams, and as we said before, I think we kind of feared a bit a bit of a barbarians game where they're just going to fling it about and no one cares. But no, that you was feared a barbarian's well, game. I was I all for a barbarian's game. <laughs> no, I well, I, I wanted a bit of an edge to it, and it clearly did. Like we even saw nearly a bust up between Coy Taylor and TJ Paranara, uh, which I was very much hoping would escalate further, but it didn't. But still, we saw there was an edge to this game. People were playing for places. People were playing for a spot in that All Black squad, which was announced the day after. It was just it had everything. It had breaks, good defending, you know, creative play. Even like some of the like Richie Mwanga had a fairly quiet game, like, and it was still amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like Bowden Barrett didn't really do much. I like you know, I don't know. It just it was just incredible. Westy, like, what what was your thoughts more than just uh, well, you know arousal? The Bowden, but I actually thought Bowden played really well. I thought like yeah, it was that kind of excitement when he was on the ball, and I just think. I think we talked about during the game, like Damien McKenzie's excitement to be finally involved with a working system was just, yeah. was so evident. I was thinking um, of the, do you know the Lord of the Rings, sorry, the Hobbit meme where he's running away like, I'm on an adventure. I was like, <laughs> yeah, he's, just, he's just like, there's so many possibilities. <laughs> Damien McKenzie being reminded about like the fun of attacking rugby and not just pure defence like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One, sorry, of things, one of the things I'd say as well, like um, I was really, really impressed with Hoskins to Tutu. Like, oh yeah. I know we were talking a lot about him like early on in the competition, but like having come back from what three, four weeks out, like he was a wrecking machine. Like he was mm. brilliant. I think the Northern Pack is was particularly great. I think it was a little bit of Northern Pack versus Southern Backs yeah. to a certain extent. Um but yeah, and even like I think we were talking about it the other day, Sam. People can look at that game and say, Oh, it was a try fest, like he was defending with shit, but like it really wasn't. Like you have their Ten minutes before, like five minutes before the final whistle, um, 
the North turn over the South on their own try line, you know, just defending, 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 defending. Um, yeah, I just thought it was, I thought it was a phenomenal game of rugby all around. Just want to say that, uh, you know, would you say, Wesley, that picking Satutu in our team of the year, like I did, not used to, uh, <laughs> that I was correct? No, the, the team of the year isn't in, based on who you think is going to play well next week. Best player, who- best player. <laughs> Best player. I was right. You're well, wrong. Were we picking all black teams for the next test or were we picking team of the tournament? We were picking team of the tournament, right? We're picking whatever I say we're picking, Wesley. Well, okay. With that, I think Tom Sanders was great at eight for the, for yeah, the South as well. Yeah, he was immense, so. actually, too. Yeah. And none of us picked him. <laughs> not even not even close. Well, they were there. <laughs> uh, Sam, what about you? Don't drink. Yeah, was, Don't, uh, how dare you drink? <laughs> I was just getting my vocal cords ready for the spiel. <laughs> it's it's the lemon spiel. and honey, is it? Strap tight. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. It, it was the best game of rugby that I've ever watched. Uh, Ooh, by it's far. A and I think it's a big statement. No, not not even slightly a big statement. I think there's there's rugby games with almost bigger moments, like yo know, drop goals to win the World Cup final or whatever. But then this had crossfield kick, jumping, take it out of the air, OBJ style to win it. So like it's it had everything. I think the the leader changed hands seven times throughout the game, which is brilliant for the spectator to watch. Uh, I think I saw one person try and suggest, and this must be a monster fan because <laughs> but he tried to suggest that the defending was shit and that the defending in the Southern Hemisphere was shit. And I was like, bad or uh, good attacking rugby doesn't always equal bad defending. Like if you have open expansive rugby, it doesn't mean that the defending is bad. It just means that they're like, two teams of 15 of the best players in the world running unbelievable lines and offloading when they can. And like, it was just, it was so nice to watch. I was, I was impressed. It was great to see McKenzie with a big smile on his face playing kind of back to his free flow himself. I thought that Ardi Save and Satutu were both brilliant. I thought, yeah, Mongo was quiet, uh, but I thought it was nice to see Bowden playing t- at 10 and kind of dictating a little bit. I was, I was upset that we didn't get to see, uh, Umaga Jensen in that back line a little bit longer, like before they started kind of making all the changes. They, I was hoping they'd bring him on earlier for Leonard Brown, but uh, you can't have everything, I guess. Uh, and then Will Jordan just to win it was it was a great piece of rugby. I know it was on the advantage, so people will always caveat it with like, oh, well, they had advantage, but they had advantages. The execution was flawless. Doesn't matter if it's advantage or not. Like um, it was just, it was such good vision by the out half or by who I can't even, I think it was, was it who kicked it? Uh, Joshua was it? Yeah, it was. It was Ioanni who kicked it. So it was great vision by that. I would have to see that, and then it was just it was great technique to take it out of the air. It was they they identified the mismatch and used it. So uh, watching that free throw in rugby, like it's it just made the fucking Leinster uh, monster game just like you're you're watching it going, is this even the same sport? Like it's 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 kind of a bit of a cliche to say, well, that's not rugby, but it's like it's it's not the same sport. It's there. They're played at two different intensity levels, two different skill sets. It's, it's, it's quite a shame that you know that that can be played and people choose to play other styles. Yeah, so. yeah. Look, as I said, I think you know you said the best game of rugby ever, but wasn't it Leinster three zebra nil? Wasn't that up? Oh, that has to be a contender, right? Wasn't it three nil <laughs> to Leinster? I think. Yeah. Well, like yeah. I, I do. Yeah. I say, I say that, but one of one of my most enjoyable experiences as a rugby fan was to be there when Connacht beat Leinster seven six. So like, you know, it doesn't have to be that high scoring to be the no. best game ever. Yeah, it but wasn't I the score; the, it was just the quality of play. Yeah, it was it was, just... it was the quality of the play from start to finish. Like Caleb Clark straight from the kickoff, 
probably the only decent uh, exit in the entire game from a kickoff. But uh, what an exit. Like, he got the ball, he beat about five men. I thought he was going to run the pitch just to start us off. And then, you know, everyone just saw that and the intensity went from there and it just kept growing and growing. I think there yeah. wasn't really a bad performance of the entire pitch. No. It's been a theme, though, of Super Rugby so the, since the comeback, Super Arturoa. We have put, you know, the, every game has had high expectations and I don't think any game really let itself down. There was no game where you're like, that was a bit boring or that was, um, you know, I shouldn't have watched that. Every game had something where you're like, that's class. And it's yeah. just like, it reminds me, like watching that game, I'm always shocked that like, New Zealand don't win the World Cup every four years. Like how, how that doesn't happen, I don't know. Because they clearly are by far the best rugby nation in the world by a mile. But yet they don't. But look, there's obviously more to it than that. Uh, then the All Black squad announced, um, you know, there was always going to be people left out just because of the amount of depth they have. Like, you know. Yeah, justice for Umaga Jensen, just saying. Hashtag. Yeah, he was injured at the end of the season. Injured, he, yeah. said, he tweeted his season was over, so I presumed that meant going into the international yeah. as well. Like, uh, but, you know, with the squad depth they have, there was always going to be a few missions, but I, I wouldn't like to be playing that team anytime soon. Um, but alas, unfortunately, that you know, we were saying that North-South game, we'd love that every weekend or at least once a month. Um, but we're not going to get that. They should start an OnlyFans for North versus South rugby games. <laughs> I would pay ten euro a month to watch that. Yeah. Give but me that uh, over a set of boobs any day. Easy. I do hope. I do hope it becomes because uh, it was an annual thing for hundred odd years, and then yeah. in two thousand and twelve it stopped. So I hope it just continues to be an annual one, and that World Rugby look at scheduling and allowing stuff like that to happen. You know, like. The reason it was stopped was because of the scheduling issues and because players, player welfare, and too many, too many players were getting uh, overworked. So I'm hoping that like games like that, like those sort of spectacles, they're they're how you sell rugby. Like if you wanted to do that North versus South in China or in fucking Japan or in Russia, like you know, you'd sell out the stadium over and you'd put it on TV. People would be involved, but put it in the states, like that, that's a great great advertisement for rugby like that's as good an advertisement as sevens rugby is in terms of excitement yeah 100 yeah. you do as not much as i'd love as much as i'd love to see it every year i think it is such a great spectacle that maybe like a, a three test series every second or third year maybe just every four year counter to the world cup or something i think that'll probably be the most beneficial way of doing it as you say like it, it's really attritional rugby and we even saw um who was the center who got or the um he's, has to, he's had an acl rupture now anyway his name's case me at the minute we did see serious injuries come out from it. So I don't know if they'd be too excited to do it every year at full tilt. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah. And it, it kind of, if it was, if it was very often, it kind of would lose its sort of how special it is as well. But anyway, we'll leave the Southern Hemisphere to go to the joyous Northern Hemisphere. Um, we had the two... news that uh, Georgia have been accepted into the eight nations. Is it? Is this the, yeah. this is the news? Rolls? I don't know. Is that confirmed? A news talk we're naming a potential South Africa team earlier. So I oh, no, I got I saw it confirmed about four or five different sources on uh, Twitter earlier. So I'm I thinking saw I saw a poll yesterday, on. and they were like, "Who would you rather see, Georgia and South Africa?" And it was like ninety eight percent said Georgia. It was like nobody wants South Africa in this, which is incredible when you think about it. World champions, but so for yeah, yeah world champions, we don't want them, and they can't find anywhere for domestic rugby to play. <laughs> yeah, like, it is incredible. Um, yeah, it seems to be fairly like the Telegraph UK have it, Sports Joe have it, uh, Wales Online. Like it seems to be fairly like 
in the mainstream media that it's okay. definitely confirmed as Georgia and that Ireland are going to play them. It says that uh, Ireland's set to face England, Wales and Georgia in the Eight Nations tournament. So, yeah, well, that's because they're gone. It was always going to be that way, wasn't it? Like, yeah. were we meant to have Fiji? Are we we meant to have Japan, weren't we? Japan, yeah. They're yeah, in so it's Japan. Just Georgia in for Japan. Yeah, that's good though. All right, Lancer Munster, uh, Friday night. Um, I was excited for this game. I thought Munster really had, you know, well, I actually didn't think Munster had much of a chance at all, actually, come to think of it. But um, <laughs> it was a good tight contest earlier on. Like, you know, there were two teams kind of, you know, had the, had the best of each other and kind of, you know, would get to a certain degree. And oh my God, which cat is that, Sam? It's Ozzy. Ozzy, okay. Um, but, you know, Munster get three points earlier on. But again, and it seems to be an issue when it comes to Munster, is they get to a certain stage and then it's, they hit a wall, where it be the lens of defence or lack of plan or lack of, you know, they don't know what to do, where it's, and then it ends up normally in a, a Conor Murray box kick, um, which was obviously, it's incredibly frustrating to watch sometimes. I've seen a lot of Munster fans defending it and, you know, giving reason why they're doing it. Um, like, Westy, like, when it comes to all these box kicks, obviously everyone's talking about them. What's your kind of view on them at the moment? You, is it the only option they have when it comes to a certain stage? Or, like, what's what can they do? See, I mean, what confuses me is I really don't think it is the only option they have. Now, like, it's worth mentioning, I think they only actually box-kicked one more time than Leinster. But at the same time, like, Leinster were kind of happy to let Munster play and see what they could do. They were kind of just happy to sit back and, and absorb for a while, which, I mean, they did so well. Um, I think earlier in the season, like, a lot of people are talk, bringing up the Racing game. Like we saw a lovely expansive rugby for Munster. We've seen it throughout the league all year, and even you know last week or sorry two weeks ago playing Leinster in the Aviva, they all of their tries were scored from going wide. Two of those tries came from going very quickly to Keith Earls and Andrew Conway. The last two tries. So I don't understand why the shift was for this game plan now to put put high balls contestables in. Like part of me thinks that their game plan was to try and keep the scoreboard ticking over, to, to get within penalty range, force a penalty, get into space maybe for a drop goal, take three points and, and build a lead that way. I just don't Terrible think we're ever going to beat Leinster by... Yeah. Well, yeah, first off. But you're also not going to beat Leinster by doing anything other than playing at 100% tilt for 100% of the time. Like, it's not... I think it's a mental I don't, know, I don't see, just with Leinster. Even Jerry Torney said, I was reading an article today and he... Yeah, maybe. As I like, said in the Irish Times, like apparently in the warm-up, Munster were doing like really... To, like, I guess I read some ad statistics as well that apparently the back three only got like five or six passes the whole time. Like, yeah, I think Earl's touched the ball like three times or something. But uh, I think uh, I think like you, you're making a great point, Westy, whereby like, you know, they're, they're capable of playing expansive rugby. But I think it's not it's not the the issue with them isn't that they're, they're capable uh, or incapable of playing expansive rugby. It's when the expansive rugby is nullified, their revert to type plan B is that box kick. And that's the issue uh, I'd have. And I think that that's what happened against Leinster. It was like instantly it didn't work. So instead of trying and persevering or trying something new or having a, a kind of backup plan, it's straight back to what they know and what like the old tried and tested. And, you know, Leinster can, Leinster can go that out of them. Any team playing Ireland or any team playing Munster for the last five or six years all they have done in training for the week leading up to it is defend tight, defend tight, and then drop into how to receive your box kick or how to defend against a box kick. Because it's just so telegraphed. It's like if Ireland or if Munster are under pressure like that, that's what they do. They don't have a plan B 
that allows them anything else. Like you look at Leinster the last few weeks, they've had chips over the top and they've had grubbers through or they've had back miss moves. Uh, Ulster all season, like Cooney has been kicking from the back of a ruck, but there have been low trajectory, long ones. They've been putting pressure on the back, uh, back three. They might still be kicking it. They might still be kicking it away, but it's a varied kick. It's changing it up. Like Munster and Ireland for the last five, six, even 10 years for Ireland, it's been, if they're in any sort of pressure, it's get someone running up, following up. Like we've had really good chasers, kick chasers in the past while. And obviously like Conor Murray can put crazy amount of hang time on these box kicks, but it's just, it's, it's trainable now. Like Larmore struggled against it two, three weeks ago, the first game instantly, he was able to field them because the whole team decided how they were going to react to it and how they were going to play to it. And then they forced Leinster to do it by defending tight for two or three phases. And it didn't take that much to make them snap and go back to it. Yeah, I think I think that uh, another wrinkle to that is that they were trying to target Larmer. But Leinster did a great job. The first first few especially, they got so many bodies in the way of Conway, of Earls, that it was they were, they were uncontested catches for Larmer. Of course, the commentators didn't say that. They were like great catch from Larmer and they were praising him and it's like if he's not catching them what hope do we have completely but that, I think that was a that was a possible wrinkle to it too they're like let's you know let's try him early and challenge him but yeah but that's that's uninventive coaching if you're a Leinster coach and you've read any newspaper or been on Twitter at all for the last two weeks the first thing you would go is protect Larmer like that's all anyone's talked about the last two weeks is that was the only weak point to their game against Munster the first time like and that's exactly what it is. And it's uninventive coaching. If you've decided as Munster that Leinster aren't going to be on the training pitch working out how to protect Larmer in those situations and bring him into the game better. Like that's that's the first thing I would do if I was the Leinster coach. And I had seen what had happened the first week, two weeks ago. You had a trial run of this game and you went, the only part we struggled on was Larmer. So either we replace him with Rob Carney, who's safer, or we train it and the entire squad gets behind managing the situations and allowing them to do it so like that is like for a team like Munster that have paid serious money for unbelievable international coaches to come in as backs coaches and forwards coaches like not just international coaches coming in to be head coaches they have a hugely experienced coaching setup and the best they could come up with was keep doing what caused them trouble two weeks ago like that's that's not inventive coaching that's not thinking outside the box that's not playing to your strengths like how much money have they paid to get Damien Dialande in there and they've not used them. And they've not used Keith Earls and Andrew Conway, who are arguably, you know, in line, might be in with a shot of starting for the Lions. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The, the Stephen Larkham debate is always, like, I can't imagine this is in his plans. To yeah, but the time we saw tries from Munster last week, was it was quick ball. It was quick ball out to, to Earls and Earls Barons, to, to, to Hanrahan to Earls and Earls Barons over. Quick ball out to Conway, Conway steps. But instead, Munster were trying to, out muscle Leinster. I mean, they're almost trying to play a kind of a stereotypical South African game where you hit up, hit up, hit up, hit up. And like, Munster, you're not going to beat Leinster. Leinster were perfectly capable of that because they've won the best packs in the world. I read some, another statistic. I'm full of statistics today. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Lowe ran more than the entire, got more meters gained than the entire Munster pack combined. Like, yeah. I think it's a serious fault in, in game plan. Yeah, and we like we're criticizing Munster here, but another point is on the sixty fourth minute mark, I can't remember exactly what the minute was, they were ten three down and they had there's a few occasions where in this game where Munster had a lot of momentum, you know, potentially going for them and they made silly mistakes. There was one in the first half where they stole a line out in Leinster territory 
and then they knocked it on two phases later, which again kills all momentum and transfers it back to, to Leinster. And then, of course, we have to talk about the two JJ Hanratton penalties. First one, I will argue, fair enough, you know, still should be very, for the golden boot winner of the Pro 14, we expect him to kick the first one and definitely the second one. I'd, I'd expect myself to make the second one. This, again, we've talked about this with JJ, and we're not picking on JJ, I don't want people to think we are. But there has been a few moments in his career where, you know, we need, Munster fans need him to step up to the plate and he hasn't delivered. You know, you, you slot those two penalties, it's 10 points to nine, Munster of all momentum, you never know what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? He misses the first one and Sexton goes up and kicks, you know, arguably much more difficult one uh, on the right-hand side of the pitch and, again, just kills all of kind of Munster's, you know, potential threats there and uh, look I, we've we spoken about it before but I don't know JJ just doesn't seem to be the main man that Munster need he seems to be obviously you know as we said before very capable halfback but what you know when the, the line the the lights shine the brightest I don't know if he's he's the man to lead them but Wesley I don't know what do you think yeah I, I think as a player and again like okay maybe not so much in the game just gone but two weeks ago I thought like his game management I thought on the ball he was very good I thought his decision making was very strong um, and look again two weeks ago he misses the conversion from a touchline and you think right look that's a tough kick it's a tough situation yeah it's not very promising but it probably doesn't mean that much but then here we are two weeks later and yeah I think as I as I think Munster's game plan was to recruit points, you know, just keep the keep the clock ticking over, keep the scoreboard ticking over. And that game plan is never going to work with a with an out half who I think, contrary to what we saw from Ian Madigan, JJ's just not a big moments player. Or a pressure kicks player, we we should say. I mean, I do think during the game he had great moments, but uh from the kicking perspective, probably not. Yeah. I yeah, I just want to say that I don't think he's a bad player. I think, you know, he's a very capable player. It's just when were, you know kicks like that, he he's proven now that time and time again, I don't think he has. Like there were times of great game management from him as well. Like I think, and it's more than just him now. But like the last last ten minutes of the first half, Munster put in a monster defensive shift, and they forced mm. Leinster to take the penalty at forty minutes. I thought I thought ten three at half time. I was like, second half's gonna be great. I was like, like Munster are gonna win to change now with all the confidence in the world. Um, and I think that's the difference. Like Johnny Sexton carries that confidence into his channel coming back out of the changing room whereas maybe Hanrahan doesn't maybe that's another part of his play where Hanrahan isn't a kind of big moments player sorry Sam you're going to say something no I just I think uh, I think he's a great player like but I don't think he's I think he's a very able deputy uh, it's like I said last week I don't think the Munster even have faith in him to be there as a long term starting out half like uh, they have Carberry and Carberry's injured and that's unfortunate but you know they let go of him years ago when he went off to England to try and get a bit of experience because they didn't trust him, you know, uh, running Keatley. And then they brought in Blaintal when they, he was back. You know, they, they don't trust him to be that starting out half. And if they have him, like, the idea of him as being a deputy, that means that they don't plan on using him for as long as, like, a couple of months. It's just a month maybe here or a week there, that sort of thing. So it's consistency that's probably the part that's lacking. It's not the ability. Like they trust him for a little bit of time, but not to play over a prolonged period of time. Uh, so I think that, you know, when push comes to shove in games like that, he can kick as many as he wants throughout the regular season. It's, you know, you need to be slotting them in semifinals. That's that's the difference between a starting out half and, you know, a good deputy. Like he's, 
has the ability, but he's not doing it consistently when it consistently when it matters. He's not cool as ice. Then you can't trust him. That's it. There's no doubt in his ability, but if you can't trust him, you can't trust him. Like your out half needs to be cool as fucking ice. Like it's the only well, way. Even, to be. Like I, I even put in when he was lining up that first penalty. I think I put under the WhatsApp we have of like you know let's let's see you know JJ and then he ends up like even I expected him to make that first one, and I wasn't even close. It was a good 15 yards wide. Um, and it's just, it kills all your, as a Munster player, I'm sure it just kills your momentum, it kills your hope. Uh, I think a lot of it as well is, I, I don't know, do we think Munster have, uh, I said before the US, but like, is there a mental block when it comes to Leinster? Like you said before, Westy, we've seen them play amazing rugby against other teams, but it just doesn't seem to happen against Leinster. And Leinster weren't, they were very good this game, but they weren't, you know, they, sometimes the Leinster are just so much better than everyone else on the pitch, it's ridiculous. But they weren't that this weekend. They know no, how to I, win I, games, and they know how to win games very well. They always seem to do enough. But Munster, again, I've played them twice in three weeks, and easily, I think, could have won both games. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, first off, on the Leinster point, like, I think, I still think that's Leinster, Leinster in fourth gear. Like, I think Leinster knew, like, didn't have to do anything else to win that game. They kind of just knew that to do to win, and they were happy enough to do it. Um, they're kind of happy to let Munster keep trying, but anytime Leinster were in danger they knew they could get out of it um, is it a mental block I don't know I think I do think winning is a habit and I think like look not to get too down in the dumps like semi-final is is great achievement for any club you know but when you've been in what, what was the statistic they've been in something like nine nine semi-finals across the two competitions in the last five or six years I think yeah. I think it's starting to become a bit of a silly it's like Ireland beating the All Blacks you know it's like it becomes a bit of a thing. It has kind of a name now. And I think Munster are trying to downplay it, but like, oh no, it's not, it's not. Because the, the more kind of, the more you give it a name and the more you give prowess to it, maybe the more that doubt does creep into the mind of a player. Like I do think there are a couple of times Ireland lost the All Blacks, particularly that, uh, was it 2014 or 2013 in the Aviva Stadium? We lost to them because we were used to losing to them. Do you know, they yeah. ran, they turned the ball over on their own trial and got the whole pitch down, do you know? Um, so I think... We don't talk about that game on this podcast oh sorry um what was my point yeah i do think that there, there is a bit of that that doubt does creep in that does take hold a little bit and i think they really think by bringing in kind of rg simon and, and damon delende with that fresh blood can help them kind of break through that ceiling in a way yeah rumor has it rg simon has an unbelievable box kick so uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah imagine <laughs> apparently though his his surgery went very well today so he's on the road to recovery which is great uh, that's great monster. but um yeah, look, we'll leave it at that game there because obviously we could talk about that for a while. But uh, Saturday then, Ulster versus Edinburgh, also with an amazing comeback win. I didn't get to see this live, but I got to see extended highlights, um, which is great. They, so I have found extended highlights. It's not from, it's just from some random YouTuber. Uh, so credit to him for uploading 20-minute highlight packages. I watched the proper Pro 14 one. I told you this, Sam. They showed yeah, the, two, the, the two show, they showed the try in the first half and then it cuts to the 45th minute in the second half. And it's like, nothing else happened in the first half? Not anything? I know the score at halftime was 5-0, but surely someone had some chances. Um, I watched, yeah, from the highlights I've seen, though, apart from like a 10-15 minute period in around the 20-minute mark in the first half, Edinburgh dominated this game up until around the 65th minute. Um, like, also did it incredibly well and showed amazing like mental resolve to get back in this game. Uh, on the Edinburgh side, Hamish Watson was just incredible. I think he really is putting his hand up for you know Warren Gatlin being like you know yeah 
I know I'm from Scotland, but I should be picked for this team. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you can look past the Scottish flag, you know, he has been, he's just an incredible player. But um, is this, are we looking at this as, did Edinburgh choke job this, or was it just an incredible comeback from Ulster? Sam, what did you see much of this? Uh, yeah, I watched it this morning, or this afternoon when I got back from work. It's a uh, beauty of being a teacher, now you get home at three o'clock. But uh, you, <laughs> but no, I don't think it was either. To be honest, I think it was a good play by Munster or a good play by Ulster and uh, unlucky on Edinburgh. And um, I don't think it was a choke job really. Uh, I think it was just it was just a good game of rugby. A uh, bit slow kind of to start. Edinburgh were very impressive. Uh, been impressed with them all season. I think the change of emphasis at halftime with the Cooney, Albie Matheson, uh, just got them thinking a bit more. Like you've seen Cooney all season run games, so your defensive game plan is probably based around stopping or nullifying him or, you know, so bringing in Madison and then bringing in Matt, uh, uh, Madigan then later on, like that's just, it's just going to change the whole pivot point from, uh, from an Ulster point of view. And then the front row bringing on experience instead of starting with experience is very smart by Dan McFarland and Dan McFarland. I think uh, that's probably what won it for them, uh, that, and then just like cool as ice, to to like a conversion and a penalty to win it, you know, 80th minute. Mad dog. 81st, 81st minute, you know, and it's great uh, and it's brilliant to see uh, that like that cool of a customer just getting standing up and doing that to win it. And we've seen him do that in the past. You know, he he definitely, regardless of whatever ability he has or ability on the pitch, like that is something that he'll bring to any team is the ability to just keep his calm, and keep his nerves, and if there's a clutch kick that needs to be kicked, he'll kick it. Uh, so that that was. It was brilliant, and it was a great game. It was great. Like I love a comeback. Like that's, you know, that's what makes these things interesting. Like if that game finished that scoreline, but it hadn't been a comeback, it'd just been a routine win. It would have been a grand game of rugby. But the fact that it was the comeback and the win and the last second and all those things—that's what makes it a bit more romantic uh, and a bit more kind of enjoyable. And it's gonna hopefully set them up with a good positive feeling going into next week. Uh, if it had just been a routine sort of win, you don't know how they'd be set. They'd be looking at Leinster, going, "Oh, Jesus, Leinster." class but now the fact that they've come back they've come out of kind of back from the dead with that one might stir the mentality might stir everyone's optimism and just kind of you're riding high in a wave and hopefully catch Leinster a bit off guard next season or next week you know just Leinster we have one eye on Saracens so uh, like and I know that means nothing when half their eyes can be on the pitch and the other half their eyes are international sitting on the sideline so but uh, no it was, a, it was a good game of rugby and I'm, uh, I'm very impressed I'm really happy for uh, Ulster I'd love to see them do it now next week yeah, Westy, did you get to see this game, or was it a highlight? Yeah, no, I caught uh, I caught the game a bit late. Um, I was in a pub with Sam, and he blocked the TV <laughs> the first time it was on, so I couldn't see it. Um, Mass, massive head. <laughs> um, no, I thought it was... Uh, I don't really think it's a case of, let's go to your previous point, of Edinburgh choking, but I definitely think it was them not being clinical enough. And maybe it just comes down to the team itself not being used to knockout rugby, I think. When you watch that first half, as as you say, there was kind of maybe ten minutes of of Ulster kind of being heavily involved, but you do wonder how Edinburgh weren't further ahead. Um, you know, they kind of just didn't take any opportunities that were given to them, um, or that, that they created for themselves, I should say. Um, and yeah, I think I think it was just great resolve from Ulster in the second half. I think not that Cooney was playing necessarily bad, but the injection of life of Valby kind of changed things up. But I thought I thought Burns played very well um, Rob Little obviously played very well I think as Sam said the the big heavies kind of coming on Treadwell coming on um, was really impressive from Ulster and I think although Madigan might not look at 
he's an old head on that team. It's, it's the, the old Westy Techno the remix text. there. You know, people... Westy, uh, do you want to repeat that last point there? Because you are doing a robot voice. I'm oh, sorry. Madigan. Yeah, I don't think Madigan will like it, but he's essentially kind of like a, the old head on the team now. You kind of bring him on to close out a game and to kind of take those points, maybe maybe the way we hope to see Dan Carter come on for 10 minutes uh, for the Blues. Um, yeah. But, but what yeah, a fantastic think... situation for Ulster to be in where you have, you know, you're starting with Billy Burns and John Cooney to bring on Albie Matchison and Mick Madigan. You know, I, I feel like you're not really losing much there by substituting. Do you know what I mean? Like, that is a great position to be in and one, you know, only, well, realistically, only Leinster have, can say that, really, when they switch out their halfbacks. Yeah, so, like, if you look at that compared to exactly what we're talking about with the Hanrahan situation, yeah. like, you know, Car- Carberry's injured and Hanrahan comes in, and obviously Hanrahan's a good player, but people just don't trust him for that prolonged period of time, whereas if Burns gets injured, Madigan comes in, like, at least at the moment, there's a positivity around him, you know, like, we've yet to, we, ha- we have to still wait and see, really, you know, how much effect the lack of playing time at Bristol for last year or so of his time there. And, you know, it didn't work out from a Bordeaux. So, like, in the long run, we'll see. But at the moment, the positive nature, the positive atmosphere is there. And if, if there was an issue with Burns to come the start of the season in a month's time and Madigan is starting, everyone would be happy out. Uh, whereas I think Carberry's injury, people are asking questions about the, you know, the, st- the quality and the depth there at Munster. So it's, it's very chalk and cheese with those two, like. Yeah, I have to say, uh, Coatsia as well was immense this game. Talk about a ball-carrying behemoth. And he just seems to have an engine that just keeps on going. Like, the, the, the well, again, the package, the highlight package I saw, he was always hands up, ball, I want this ball, let's go. Made a couple of yards. He's just incredible. Um, let's hope he remains that. But, um, is I don't know, the way the, way the Munster and... and you know, Ulster thing is, I nearly would give Ulster just as good a chance to beat Leinster as Munster had because I just think that they don't. I don't know. I don't feel like it's not fear about Munster, but it's definitely a mental block thing. Something's going on. I, I don't think Ulster nearly have that as much. Just probably I not haven't played them as much, but um, yeah, is I think, that, is that I think they get that they get that kind of uh, no lose situation sort of thing a bit more. Yeah. Like if it was if it was Munster playing them in the final, it would be grudge match, you know, tradition versus new money and all that. Whereas I think with Ulster, it's like. You know, played class rugby all season. Great that they got here. Let's reward it. Let's have a bit of fun. Almost the way Connacht were in the, the 2016 final, where it was like, we've gotten this far. Let's just go out and have a go. Like, uh, I think that that, that that will definitely stand to Ulster next week. Yeah. Westy, what do you think? Do you think Ulster have any chance? Yeah, look, I agree. I think, was it the, was it the quarterfinal last year? Leinster played Ulster. Um, and it was, was it 21-18 or something? It was a very close affair. Uh, I think they've kind of had closer, uh, closer run-ins with Leinster in the last couple of years than maybe Munster had. Um, I also think you know anybody can win. It's a one-off game of rugby. Anybody can win. You know, Japan can beat the Springboks in a one-off game of rugby. Connacht can beat Leinster in a one-off game of rugby. Ireland can beat the All Blacks. You know, a Uruguay can beat Fiji. Like these things aren't rare in them happening, and it's it's a much more. I think it's a much more achievable goal for Ulster to just have to... It's all about mindset for them this week, I think. If they go into it with, like, right, lads, we're the underdog, we can do it, like, we can win, uh, and they kind of get their heads right and their fight right, then I think there's nothing to stop them winning. As as Sam rightly said, Leinster will have one eye on Saracens. It'll be interesting to see what kind of team Leinster put out to begin with. Um, I know Ulster want to do well on the European front as well, but I think they'll they'll focus. They'll be focused on silverware. 
Yeah. You know, they haven't got any silverware in, in a very long time. Uh, so they'll be hungry for it. Yeah, they'd be extremely silly to give two shits about the game the following week. You know, this, oh, yeah, is, for sure. this is their biggest game now in the last couple of years, and they, they need to really step it up. Like, so, you know, if they're like Leinster, what are they like? Are they still pushing for the drive for five or however many poxy stars they have on their crest this stage? <laughs> uh, so, like, you know, that's on their mind. That's on Sexton's mind. That's on all their minds. Whereas, like, with Ulster, it's like, this is, this is happy days this is final rugby this is get your chance for a big shiny thing at the end of it so might as well go out for it like it is a bit scary that Leinster can probably rest some players for a final and yeah still, do you know what I mean still very much be favourites but um, so Wesley is that your, give us your actual final prediction then we'll do some final predictions oh um, my after heart says Ulster after everything you just said but also having a chance what's your prediction <laughs> oh I think I think they have a great chance I still think Leinster are the better team uh, and it's in the Aviva it's 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 essentially you know you can say it's neutral it's not a neutral venue It's th- yeah. those lads are sleeping in their beds the night before um, I'm going to I'm going to say Ulster but I really hope I'm wrong and I, I genuinely think it is a great opportunity for Ulster to win you hope you're wrong about Ulster winning <laughs> No, I said Leinster. I hope I'm wrong. Oh, you said well, you said Ulster. <laughs> oh, sorry. Let's say I said I think I, I think knew Leinster you were a big Leinster fan. I knew it. Leinster. Oh, Leinster. <laughs> I'm actually wearing a Leinster jersey now that my camera's off. Thank God. <laughs> Your face painted blue and everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Never. Sam. Yeah, I, I much the same as Westy. Like I, I'm going to say Leinster by you know more than a try. I think that they're just too strong in terms of squad depth. They can play, you know, they could play any one of their four out halves and still look fairly decent. Uh, I really, really hope I'm wrong. I'd love for Ulster to come out. And I think if Ulster come out and play a carefree game of rugby where, you know, they, they really just go for it and have a bit of crack uh, and don't get bogged down by the situation, don't get bogged down by the fact they're playing uh, Leinster and just play their own game, let Cooney kind of run it the way he has done all season. You know, hopefully we get that Cooney instead of kind of the Cooney the last two, three weeks. Uh, you might you might have a chance and that'd be great and I'd love to see it happen but you know kind of my head says Leinster haven't lost a game since last year's Heineken Cup final uh, it looks like they could go an entire year without losing one so like they ha- you know <laughs> someone has to beat them eventually but I'm not yeah. sure uh, yeah I'm going to go I'll go I'm going to go with Ulster because you know they are my home province um, Leinster haven't looked great now that's obviously by their standards they still as you said haven't lost a game but they just haven't looked up to their normal kind of selves um i think the fact that ulster as you said sam have absolutely nothing to lose here they can go in pretty much stress-free pressure-free no one's really expecting them to win i think that's gonna be massive and like yeah. as you said, Westy, anything can happen. It's a one game, you know. Who knows? So I'll go. With, I'll go with Ulster. But yeah, let's be honest. I think we all know realistically who will win. But you know, we'll see. We'll go with Dan uh, McFarland's on the phone to uh, Stephen Larkin, being like, "Tell me about this box kick tactic yeah, now. Yeah, how, yeah. how do we get at Leinster?" <laughs> oh, by the way, just started to touch on that again. Everyone was saying, "Well, I've seen Larmer getting much more better reviews." I thought Shane Daly was by far the best. I thought Shane Daly was very good. Yeah, in that yeah, game, very, very good. Daly was. Totally looked assured in the air. Um, he gave away a city penalty towards the end, but again, I don't think that was really intentional. But we're not talking about that game anymore. Um, that's great, lads. We're kind of coming towards the end of our well, not really. I was going to say Northern Hemisphere covered, but the Champions Cup starting up soon, so um, we'll be back obviously next week to talk the winners of the final Ulster, hopefully. But we'll see, um, and we'll take it up from there, boys. So as always, thanks for joining me, and uh, we'll see you uh, next week. Catch you then. Bye.